Welcome back to So Late Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and a bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hey, we're recording in a new space. We are. It's actually an office instead of a den. Instead of a dining table. Yeah, though it seems to be louder in here than anywhere else. So Yeah, we've had to pause our starting, no pun intended, yeah. uh, <laughs> due to multiple airplanes that were coming up over the mics. It makes no sense because... The rest of the house, you don't hear airplanes like this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Are we even in a flight like lane or whatever yeah, flight? Yeah, we have flights all the time, but... Huh. I never notice them. Yeah. You don't oh, well. notice them until you're trying to record a podcast. Yeah, where I can obviously like pick it up, like <laughs> crystal clear. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, so we're in what we think is our kind of permanent setup because our house renovation is like 99% done. I'm opening my beer real quick. Oh, yeah. Tell them what beer you're drinking. Uh, is this one that you got me? Because I don't remember yeah. picking it up. Yeah, I bought it for you when I was in Nashville because I thought it sounded interesting. So it's a strawberry upside down cake IPA by Southern Grist. It's just one of my favorite breweries. You like really sour stuff though, and they do a lot of sours. Yeah, but I thought that sounded interesting. Yeah, we'll see. So take a sip. Very strawberry. <laughs> it actually tastes a lot like upside down, like strawberry upside down cake. Um, interesting. Very sweet. Mm, I was hoping that it wouldn't. Weird. It's like very, very strawberry tasting. Well, sorry if you don't like it. It is what it is. So the people probably think that we are here to talk about um, two movies called Sideways and Lady in the Water. The people? The people. <laughs> Morgan and Morgan. <laughs> is it For those the people? people? <laughs> the same people? Probably. I mean, we're bound to get sued at some point. So. I'm bringing the podcast to you. The people. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was my Bane impression. You know, like uh, when Bane goes on his whole speech. That was so bad. <laughs> no good. But I regret to inform everyone that we're not here to talk about Sideways and Lady in the Water. Not because we didn't watch it. We did watch it. But we also did some other big things while watching it. Yeah. That took up a lot of time. So we had our normal movie night and we did it last Friday. And... We needed to get up early the next morning to make a five and a half hour drive. Sean and I both hate driving. It's like the worst thing you can ask us to do. You really would hope that when you find like your forever partner, that partner would balance you out on the thing you hate. No. I don't think anybody enjoys, like but nobody, some people enjoy, but no, not, but not no, many people. But nobody hates it the way we both do. Mm, I don't know. I know a lot of people who hate long, long distance driving, but like a lot of people don't consider five hours long distance. Mm, they should. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Three hours is like an okay distance. Five hours mm. is beginning to be long term. Right. Driving. I, agree. I completely agree with you. Anywho. So I had the request that we try to do our movie night as early as possible so that we'd be able to get up the next morning and not feel like we had played too many d drinking games and paused too much. Yeah. Well, womp womp. I didn't get what I wanted. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> not because we didn't start early. We did. Also true. <laughs> we also decided, um, I would say around 8 p.m., we were, we were having movie night with one of our friends, and we decided that we just need to go ahead and book a, a Vegas trip that we've been talking about for months. I mean, we've been wanting to go to Vegas for a while now. And best time? No. But there's no time like the present. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Famous lost words. Uh, We're all vaccinated. 
It doesn't matter, <laughs> apparently. You know, I, I don't know. So just some insight onto why this couldn't be a quick, just let's book our trip and continue with movie night. One was the hotel. We were in a three-day discussion over which hotel we're going to book. Because, spoiler alert, all Vegas hotels are so stinking expensive. Post-pandemic, they're even more expensive. Probably right. because they're trying to make up lost money or something like that. But right. I looked it up at one point in time, and it was like, I don't even remember, like $900 a night or something. It was something like astronomically expensive yeah, that you would stupid. never pay. I do not understand how they were charging an amount like that because there was no alternative. It's like every hotel was like 900 or more dollars per night. Also, do you want to throw in the caveat that we were being picky? We knew that we wanted to stay on the strip and like the center part of the strip. That's not really like that picky. Most people want to stay on the strip. Sure, but some people would have conceded that if t- if hotels were as pricey as they are, that they would have decided, nah, I don't have to stay on the strip. So that's also a part of this. I should also tell you that Sean has a lot of anxiety about making decisions. He's the person who he needs to ask everyone's input before he makes the decision. And then when you tell him what decision to make, he's like, oh, okay. And then as like you take like that sigh of relief, you're like, great, our nightmare's finally over. He's like, but what if... And then you have a new thing that you need to bring to attention, which makes you extremely thorough. And it's why we have the best trips possible. And we stay at the best places and eat the best meals. But my God, as somebody who has opposite anxiety, (laughs) it's a lot. Well, I mean, it's worked out so far. It has. It means that we've gone to some of the best places at some of the best prices. And that is completely right to the detriment of my sanity. Yeah. Some people would pay for that experience. Yeah. You should set that up. (laughs) talked about that for years well travel agents don't exist anymore barely yeah but you can make it some cool like gen z like curated thing i don't know so we're having uh discussions at this point while sean and our friend are looking at places i decide to go get on hotwire because sometimes you can score a good place through there for a good rate and so hotwire is really leaned into their thing of we're not going to tell you what the hotel is which has always been their thing but we can guarantee it's one of these two and every time you refresh, it gives you different options and different rates. So I got it to where one of the two options we couldn't lose, like it was going to be a great choice. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that we had completely sold our friend on using Hotwire because I don't think he understood what Hotwire was. So he thought it was a little bit of a sketchy idea, not knowing that we've used it a million times. Right. Um And then at this point, once I get like a really good rate, a really good two hotel choices that we're going to get, then we start talking about, well, maybe we should do these dates instead. And it goes around and around and around. So ultimately we do the hot wire deal. We get an excellent hotel. I went and looked at the hotel's website for our same dates and we got like $300 off a night. Excellent deal. Yeah. I mean, it turns out being a really good option. Yeah. That hotel too, that we ended up getting when you look at any other booking site really tricks you and all Vegas hotels trick you. They trick you because they have those resort fees and tax. Yes. So it's like, they'll be like, Hey, look, it's $130 a night. And Mm -hmm. you're like, wow, that's really cheap for a hotel. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, surprise. It's also $300 a night extra (laughs) in various fees. Yeah. So then sometimes you can double the amount that it shows, especially if you are looking through a a booking site, like booking.com or something that doesn't automatically add in the tax and fees. Right. So we ultimately, we booked the hotel. That has taken an hour and 20 minutes to get done. Then after that, we're like, we need to go book our flights since we just confirmed our dates. 
And I had a travel credit with American Airlines. And so we were able to find a pretty good rate with them for flights for our dates. So we went to go book them. And I was booking through the app. I use their app all the time. And when it got to the point to check out, like it didn't give me an option to like go to my American Airlines wallet and use that credit. Like I had to back out of it. So then it backed out of it, but it like put it on hold for me. But then like when I came back to like try to get the tickets, like it didn't give me a place to put in my travel credit. So ended up having to call American Airlines and I had a really great rep who answered and worked with me. I think her name was Michaela. She was really great. Um, but like every time she would put in our information, like the flight information would disappear. And it was like this like constant struggle of like, we're trying, I was like, I just like the whole reason we're doing this is because I have a travel credit that will cover this, like our flights. This is the only reason we're doing this. Right. I just want to know, this is an experience I've had multiple times now. So for instance, uh, through Comcast, this happens through anything that has customer service, right? I want to know at what level do people have a different system than I have, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know, like, certainly there's a different system that American Airlines is using on the back end to book things, right? Right. You would assume that it's not like what we're using to book things. But sometimes experiences happen like this one where I'm not sure. I almost (laughs) feel like they're using the same exact system that we're using (laughs) and that they don't have (laughs) access to anything special. Yeah, And I don't understand how that can be the case. Like if you're going to try to provide customer service, you shouldn't have a system that's going to have the exact same problem that my system has when I'm doing it online. Right. Exactly. And Comcast is the exact same way. And sometimes I don't know what they're looking at, you know, whatever they're looking at in their system in India, which like every time I call now, it's 100% run out of India. It's right. They don't even, they used to try to mask it and like pretend that it was like in the United States and whatever. But no, for the most part, it's call centers in India now, and they don't try to hide it anymore. And over the pandemic, it was really bad where, you know, these are people that are also using VPN. Mm-hmm. So it's like everybody was working from home in India, too. Right. Then they're trying to do it through VPN, mm-hmm. and they didn't have very good internet themselves. Right. <laughs> and I, I don't know if Comcast is there or not. I don't know right. who provides their internet, but... That was the most mind-boggling experience of trying to fix anything with our internet over the pandemic, where these people also couldn't really use their internet. They were trying to VPN into a Comcast <laughs> system that didn't let them do anything uh, because they're probably contractors or something yeah. like at a call center. I don't know. It's it, The whole experience is, is ridiculous. But I just want to know, somebody needs to compile a list mm-hmm. of who actually has abilities that, that I as a consumer do not have. <laughs> Because that's what I want to call. I don't want to call someone that has to just go to the AmericanAirlines.com yeah, website exactly. and try to do what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. It was a mess. It kept failing. Um, also, at this point, the drinking rules from Sideways were starting to hit me, where I then just kind of, you know, just became giggly and kind of like, what the hell is happening? Sean was serving me Irish coffees as this was going on. Um, the worst part, though, is we're finally getting everything resolved. And at this point, I've put them on speaker because she keeps having to put me on hold while she's working. And she comes back and it's definitely like she she didn't say anything incorrect or weird. But when she was going over the booking, she was like, OK, you are Ashley. And then I also have the ticket for beloved Sean. 
And for whatever reason, that just cracked the three of us up so much. And here I am like trying to talk to this woman who has been really great. She's been on the phone with me for like an hour and a half at this point, like trying to do this for me. Like Sean said, basically hacking into the American Airlines website. I really don't know why she said beloved. Well, that's just, like, that's how it is in their like system. But it was so funny. Wait, what? Yeah. In their system, it says beloved Sean. It says like, it's like if, if it's your like married spouse. Like, if you were what? calling, like, I'm beloved Ashley. Since when? I'm pretty sure I'm right. You need to prove this. I don't think that's true. <laughs> I think so. Why would it say that? Because I, I think that's, like, a technical term. No, it is not. I think so. No, it would just say spouse. I don't I, I don't think that this woman just chose to say beloved. I think she chose to say beloved. <laughs> I don't think so. We're going to have to ask. <laughs> if you work for American Airlines, <laughs> you need to call us. <laughs> Let us know if this is the case. Also, what do you see when you log in? <laughs> if you work for American Airlines customer service, please call. One eight hundred. So wait, pause. Um, could you please host a webinar on what it's like a day in your life? Yeah, Facetime me and show me what you see, and if it says "beloved" on, next to my name. I I don't. This woman seemed sane, cool, hip, young. I do not think she just out of nowhere was like, you know what? It says her spell, Sean. I'm going to call him Beloved Sean. Like, I don't I think, think it might. I think I don't she might think have just so. said that. I don't know. Maybe she was, maybe she's trying to be funny. I don't think so. I kind of thought she was laughing a little bit when we started laughing. I think, I think she was laughing that we were laughing, but I don't think it was because she was trying to make a funny. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, she seemed like she was like having a long day. Yeah, I mean, she was just as frustrated as we were. Yeah. Well, I don't know. At least we got it done. It's all done. We have flights. We have hotel. All that's to say, I think all in all, it was a two and a half hour, almost three hour like interruption to the movie night. It did take a long time and it prevented us from recording what we wanted to do or else we were going to be up until like 4 a.m. Exactly. However, as a very brief recap of those movies... I will say both movies worth watching sideways sideways was considered a very good movie when it came out, it came out in the early to mid two thousands, right? Mm-hmm. Considered a great movie. It has Paul Giamatti, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Hayden Cri- church. Is that what his name is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Remember when I t- called we him get- Thomas Hayden Christensen? <laughs> yeah. You almost missed me up right now, actually. Uh, but yeah. So he's in it, uh, who played Sandman and Sp- <laughs> Spider-Man three. <laughs> And uh, was also the teacher in Easy A. Also, it's just making me believe that there's no reason this man should make money from acting. Yeah, I don't know. But so Sideways, I almost feel like it was sold as like an indie comedy. It probably wasn't indie comedy. I don't think it was like a big like Adam Sandler or whatever comedy. Like, I don't think it or like a Judd Apatow comedy. I don't think it was that type of thing. No, it was was definitely an indie type thing. Right. Uh, I'm thinking like on the level of like Little Miss Sunshine or something like that. Right. It was Alexander Payne, right? Who directed it. I can't remember. But that movie, it was enjoyable to watch. There are aspects of it, though, that are pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, It's a good movie. Like, it's enjoyable. But the acting from Paul Giamatti is not good. Uh, The acting from a lot of people is not very good. Yeah. And it's really introduced me to this side of Paul Giamatti, which was then really reinforced in Lady in the Water, <laughs> Paul Giamatti, which I realized that Paul Giamatti is, if not influenced by, inadvertently acting like Nick Cage. Yes. He not only kind of looks like Nick Cage sometimes, 
Like there's some times where he kind of looks like Nick Cage. He's more, you know, he's bald, mm-hmm. more bald than Nick Cage and things like that. But his voice sometimes sounds like Nick Cage. And then his mannerisms sometimes are really Nick Cage. Yeah. And there are certain lines where you're like, that That was a Nick Cage We line. like literally, we rewinded a part and like all closed our eyes and we're like, that's Nick Cage. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was like exactly him. Uh, so that was an unexpected part of it. I don't know much about Paul Giamatti. I don't watch a lot with him in it, but our friend is obsessed with Billions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, Paul Giamatti's in that. I guess he's good in that. I don't know. He was not good in these movies. He was not. I really now want to watch Billions so I can decide if Paul Giamatti is just Nick Cage. He, I mean, I think he is. But we'll see. I know but, you have to write like journal articles about like things like the psychology of social media use, but could you just do one on Paul Giamatti uh, acting like Nick Cage? Yeah. <laughs> I need to go interview him. I need to go ask Paul Giamatti. So here's the thing. I looked it up and I don't remember. I'm not going to take the time to look this up. So if this is wrong, then it's wrong. I can tell you it's wrong, but go ahead. So I looked it up. I wanted to see had they ever worked together, Paul Giamatti and Nick Cage. They had worked together on one movie, an animated movie, and I think that that movie was The Ant Bully. I think you're right. Okay, because I can't remember the exact movie, and like I said, I'm not going to take the time to look it up. I think it was The Ant Bully, so they were both voice acting in that movie together, but they likely met each other. They probably were in the same studio doing that stuff together. Right. But that would have been later than Sideways, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. He had to be influenced. They're they're roughly the same age, right? They have to be. Uh, probably. I will say he was even more Nick Cage-like in uh, Lady in the Water. Oh, yeah, 100%. Lady in the Water could have easily cast Nick Cage instead. It probably would have been a lot better. Probably. I'm kind of confused how Nick Cage hasn't been in M. Night Shyamalan movies. I am, too. He hasn't been in any, right? He has taste, Sean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sideways, though, going back to it, if you watched it in the past, rewatch it now and just realize how much of a boomer movie it is. It's all boomer humor. The whole thing, all the <laughs> way through. Is. The storyline, the way they talk, the jokes they make. Uh, it's like a bro comedy. The, the whole thing mm. is definitely dated at this point in time. For sure. Paul Giamatti is definitely not a wine snob. <laughs> Just looking at him. <laughs> in that movie, too, he's dressed like a Best Buy manager. So I don't know how, like, he kind of looks like uh, Louis C.K. throughout yeah. that whole movie. Yeah, it's a good comparison. Also, just want to say, if you're a boomer, we still love you. But that humor is right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> this is a different type of humor, you know? It is. Yeah, it's 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 uh, that era of, of humor for sure. But, you know, so that, that movie aside, it's still pretty good. Now, Lady in the Water, M. Night Shyamalan, for those of you who don't remember, Lady in the Water was about a mermaid type thing. Turns out it actually wasn't a mermaid. It was something else way more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but virtually like a mermaid. Lives in a swimming pool <laughs> in the middle of an apartment complex. Uh, that movie doesn't even have a twist. It's just a fantasy that has the most convoluted, stupid storyline. I and was so disappointed that there was no twist, which I'm sure so was everyone in 2007 when they went to go see an M. Night Shyamalan movie and there was no twist. Yeah, it's it's literally like a race of mer people who need to come back to help man like mankind needs to be good again or some something like that that's like the general premise and then the fact that you even understand that like sean was keeping up with like the lore of the story and i just kept being like how are you catching on to this like 
is saying made up words and they're probably not made up words. They're just not words that I hear all the no, time. No, I think they're all made up. Okay. They're using made up words. They're ugh, so stupid. It was just, ugh. no, the whole thing is stupid. It, it's so dumb. What it reminded me of is that we recently found out that there is some place called ancient lore village. I think that's what it's called. Right. <laughs> it, it's outside of Knoxville. And it turns out that one of the Boyds, if you remember, like Randy Boyd ran for governor mm-hmm. of, of Tennessee or whatever, that family, they're wealthy. And they tried to, well, they did. They did create a kind of Lord of the Rings knockoff that is like a resort of mm-hmm. sorts. Uh, you can also have weddings there and whatever. So it's like things that look like hobbit houses, things that look like an elven village, whatever. Looks like my dream vacation. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> It's like archery and horse, horseback riding. No, but to to create that and to not have copyright infringement, the father, Randy Boyd's father, I believe is who it was, published the dumbest, like most straight knockoff of Lord of the Rings. I can't even remember what it was called, but it, it's like literally like just barely off of the name of the Bagginses, right? Unless uh, me, I've never watched Lord of the Rings. Like Bilbo and like... Frodo Baggins and whatever. It's like they, they they take that name and they just barely, barely change it. And you wind up with the name of the characters in that. Everything about that book, I, I've never read it, but I read the synopsis when I found out about this resort place. It's literally just made up words. That's what this is like. So what they do the whole time is like, okay, well, these are the, I don't remember the name of the mer people right now. Uh, and the mer people are chased by scrunts. And the scrunts are like wolf things made of grass and there's an eagle that's called like an eaten and that thing is trying to help pull the mermaid out of the swimming pool so that she can go to some other place it like the whole thing is it makes no sense it's literally just made up words the premise is that people that live in this place are going to help this mer person get back to wherever she's from mm-hmm. There's some reason that the eagle can't come get her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is so dumb. Like, it try is. to d- describe it, and it is so, so stupid. It, there's not even really a metaphor. The whole thing is just dumb. So, uh, would I recommend watching it? Probably, because it's pretty laughably terrible. Uh, but boy, it was it was horrendous. So, in terms of sideways, if you had to give a rating, what would you give it? Um, I wrote it down when we watched it. I want to say I gave it like a 70 or 71. Yeah, that's about where I would be, somewhere in the mid-70s. Now, for Lady in the Water, though, I would be in the teens. Oh, yeah, for sure. At best. At best. Because it was, it was like, la- funny to laugh at, but it was so bad that you couldn't follow the storyline. Yeah, I You mean, couldn't easily follow the storyline. Like, yeah, I was having a good time, like, laughing at it, but, like, when it was done, I didn't have any closure because I didn't understand what I just watched and what the resolution was. When M. Night Shyamalan cast himself as a major role. Yeah, that was real fucking weird. The whole thing was, like, intentionally meta, but, like, then it was, like, acknowledging how meta it was and, like... But also, like, ascribed uh, M. Night Shyamalan to be, like, this, like, prophet of storytelling. Yeah, it was... (laughs) It it was dumb. I can't imagine why this was produced, but I do now understand why I didn't really hear about this movie when it came out. Because I feel like I heard of every other movie when it came out but this one. Yeah. Like Village, uh, Signs, Mm -hmm. Sixth Sense, all of those seem to have big releases. Even like Devil Happening. Mm -hmm. I feel like I hear about those coming out. This one I did not hear about. Yeah. It was rough. So bad. 
I will say um, the Paul Giamatti um, basically acting like Nick Cage really is a good lead into what we're actually going to talk about tonight. Yeah, it influenced my choices, which is what we're going to have today. The first movie is the Nick Cage movie. It's a movie that we've talked about doing before because I don't think Ashley's ever seen it. I haven't. And that movie is Face Off. We've talked about it a lot. Face Off, a lot of people have seen Face Off. A lot of people think that Face Off is a, is a good movie. It is being counted as my good movie this week. So uh, it's, for those of you who don't know it, 1997 movie with John Travolta and Nick Cage. They switch faces and voices, I believe. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll read the synopsis in a second. And that movie, so that's, that's the premise, right? Is that they switch faces. So it's kind of a body swap movie. Mm-hmm. Of sorts. Mm-hmm. One of the earlier body swap movies, you also have like the earlier Freak, Freaky Friday. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other body swap movies that are uh, from the 90s and, and whatnot. I can't think of any earlier than that. Can you think of any that were from like the 80s? Uh, I'm sure they exist, but no, I cannot think of them. Yeah. Well, I know that Face Off influenced a lot of the other body swap movies that then came out because late 90s all through the 2000s loved body swap movies. We already saw 17 again. We revert viewed that earlier. That's a body swap movie, mm-hmm. kind of. It's mm-hmm. like a reverting back to your old body mm-hmm. movie, but you know what I'm saying. It, it's mm-hmm. all in the same vein. Uh, we watched Freaky together, not on the podcast, but mm-hmm. I would definitely recommend that one with Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good one. Body swap movie. Mm-hmm. Body swapped with a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an interesting take on that one. But one of the quintessential body swap movies that I'm going to use to connect this with so in this one, John Travolta is a detective. He swaps bodies with a criminal, which is uh, Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. In another movie, somebody swaps bodies with a criminal. And that movie is Hot Chick. So the movie Hot Chick, if you don't remember, has uh, Rachel McAdams swapping bodies with Rob Schneider. I, I don't have words because I'm not excited about <laughs> watching Hot Chick because I know I hate it. <laughs> there are so many options I could have gone mm-hmm. with, but if I made Face Off my good movie, and, mm-hmm. I, and I want you to know it has a rotten score over 90, mm-hmm. so a lot of people consider it a good movie, even though I think it's going to be laughably bad. Mm-hmm. Speed, with another movie mm-hmm. over 90, right? But it laughably bad. We wouldn't right. consider it a good movie. All that said and done, if I was going to pick a movie like Face Off as my good movie, I needed a really, really bad movie. So I had a couple of options. That's what I settled with. I'm okay with that. And it even ties in further with the last week of last week's movies. And that for the longest time, I thought Paul Giamatti and Rob Schneider were the same person. They don't look anything alike. I think they look so much alike. Really? Yeah. So you think... That Paul Giamatti, Nick Cage, and Rob Schneider look alike. I don't, I'm not on the bandwagon that Paul Giamatti and Nick Cage look that similar. I think that Paul Giamatti had a way of talking and carrying himself that makes him similar to Nick Cage. Hmm. I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. Rob Schneider and Paul Giamatti, we'll see. I'm not arguing that it's a good comparison. I'm just telling you that there was a time where I thought that they were the same person. Okay. Yep. Uh, Rob Schneider fits none of your humor interests. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> like, none of them. He's like, I would only think that maybe Polly Shore uh, is less your humor. Oh, wait. Polly Shore is somebody who I thought was the same person as Rob Schneider. Oh, my Schneider. goodness. Do you think everybody's Rob Schneider? I guess so. Who's Polly Shore? Polly Shore was in uh, Encino Man, which is like where mm, the... I've never watched that. 
Encino Man, I was, I, I might choose it in the future. Encino Man is about a caveman or Neanderthal, something like that, that gets frozen in the ice and comes back to life. Brendan Fraser plays that character. Uh, but Pauly Shore is in that. Pauly Shore is in Biodome, if you ever saw Biodome. Nope. Um, there was like a war movie he was in, I can't remember the name of. He was in a, like, Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo. Rob Schneider. Okay, maybe I thought that was Pauly Shore. <laughs> Uh, Rob Schneider was in a lot of, like, Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, I know that. Like, when he's in Adam Sandler movies, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Rob Schneider. But when he's in Things by Himself, I apparently confuse them with both Paul Giamatti and Pauly Shore. Yeah, so Pauly Shore makes sense in terms of they have the same type of comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti doesn't make sense because Paul Giamatti is not a comedian. As far as I can tell, he's not really in comedies Maybe dark comedies. I guess Sideways is considered a a comedy of sorts, but a dark comedy. I'm trying to think of what I know him from. It's definitely not from, like, these cartoons he's done. Okay, well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis for Face Off for those of, the, of you who do want to know about it. So, obsessed with bringing terrorist caster Troy, played by Nick Cage, to justice, FBI agent Sean Archer, John Travolta, tracks down Troy who has boarded a plane in Los Angeles. After the plane crashes and Troy is severely injured, possibly dead, Archer undergoes surgery to remove his face and replace it with Troy's. As Archer tries to use his disguise to elicit information about a bomb from Troy's brother, Troy awakes from a coma and forces the doctor who performed the surgery to give him Archer's face. So, Nick Cage is a terrorist. He has a bomb they still need to find. As he's unconscious, the FBI steals Nick Cage's face, puts it on John Travolta, keeps John Travolta's face, I guess like in a freezer or something like that. Nick Cage wakes up with no face and forces them to give him John Travolta's face. That is... Face off. (laughs) That's interesting. Yep. As you read that, I have realized I've never watched a single Polly Shore thing in my life. That's not surprising. (laughs) But how do I know who he is? Well, I mean, he's a figure. Like, he's and how a, did I confuse him in things? So uh, this is clear that I was watching Rob Schneider movies, thinking I was watching Polly Shore movies. Sure, Polly Shore also kind of like disappeared after a while. He did like early '90s comedies, and then kind of just like fell off the earth. Yeah, I think they made maybe in like the mid or late 2000s. I think there was like a documentary or something called it was something like Polly Shore is not dead or. It was, it was some documentary about how, like, Pauly Shore is still alive and what happened to him after. Like, why why did he disappear? Right. Well, looking at drinking rules, um, we're going to be using some rules from the uh, website French Toast Sunday. French Toast Sunday. Sounds delicious. Huh. So Sunday spelled like the day, not like the dessert. Okay, so they're one of those I have a lot of rules, so I'm just picking and choosing what I think sounds good. So we need to drink whenever there's a close-up of a character's face. Makes sense. Face off. Uh, When Castor makes a ridiculous noise or randomly shouts a word mid-sentence. Yep, so that's Nick Cage. (laughs) Also, I want to say, it doesn't have to just be mentioning a face. Like, I would say, or you said, was it showing a face or? It's like a close-up. Close-up of a face. I would say also then add in if they mention faces. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Because there has to be a scene. I haven't seen this in a long time, Mm -hmm. so I don't remember much about it. But there has to be a scene where Nick Cage is like, you stole my face or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, we're going to drink anytime they say peach or bro in, a, in addition to the face. Mm-hmm. 
and you recognize an actor in their younger years. Okay. They have a chug your drink when rule to whenever the song Over the Rainbow plays. Oh, whoa. They have like a bonus I am the king challenge that says drink whenever you hear the word face. So I guess that's like they're like, get you really drunk. Yeah. Okay. Well, I already included it. Yeah. So there we go. And then you have a shot in the dark on this one because you haven't seen it. Holy shit, I do. I I didn't even think about it. Okay. I got it. Okay. Give me just one second because I want to say stuff that's obvious, but that's not the point of a shot in the dark. We're trying to think of just like tropes about the movie. Okay. Johnny Depp. (laughs) Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is a shashing pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. You've said that line so many times. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp is a sashaying pirate. Johnny Depp is a sashaying pirate. Yeah, that was close. Okay, so, yeah. But that's not who you're talking about. So Nick Cage? No, I'm talking about John Travolta. Not Johnny Depp. No, sorry. I just, you know. Whatever. Um, so as somebody who's watched the movie adaptation of Greece with John Travolta probably 5,000 times, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of when John Travolta, like, it's horrible that I'm trying to describe this because it's definitely like a physical trait that I'm thinking of in my head. You can act it out and I'll describe it. Oh, God, no. This yeah. is not going to go out what well. you're doing. No, because you're going to be mean about it. No, come on. No, but, like, he, like, does this thing where, like, you can tell, like, he thinks, like, he's hot stuff and, like, he's, like, (laughs) I can't do it. So you're talking about, like, the walk from Saturday Night Fever. I'm not talking about the walk. I'm talking specifically about a thing with his face where where he's, like, hey, hey, hey. But do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. That is from Saturday Night Fever, right? I I haven't watched Saturday Night Fever in a long time to tell you. There's, like, a scene where he's, like, walking down the street and, like, he does, like, the whole, like, finger gun type yeah, that's not exactly what I'm like. That's not exactly what I'm talking about. To generalize my shot in the dark, if he has a Danny Zuko moment, okay, which I promise that I'm a purist and I will be able to tell. I won't just say it because I feel like having a shot. I can have a shot whenever I want. But if he has like a pure Danny Zuko moment, that's my shot in the dark. Okay, and you're just gonna call it out if you think it's yeah. I won't know how to identify that. I've seen Grease plenty of times, but not as much as you, and I wouldn't know what you're talking about. Well. That's your problem. If he looks smug. It, it's like this, like, it's like this face, like his jaw goes slack. And he- <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what this would look like, but I can't imagine it. Well, his, his jaw's going to go slack because his face is taken off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and even better, I like, I'm picturing how great this is of like, John Travolta's trying to pretend like he's Nick Cage, right? Yes. So like I'm try- so like I'm so convinced he's gonna do this face while also thinking like how would Nick Cage do this face? I think it's gonna be great. Yeah. So uh, I that's the last thing I wanted to throw out there is that I was reading about this and just like we found out with Seventeen again uh, and some of these other body swap movies where the actors like really try to like act like the other person, mm-hmm. right? Because we found out in that one that Zac Efron was mm-hmm. like really trying to do Matthew Perry and Mm -hmm. like watch a lot of Matthew Mm -hmm. Perry stuff. So with face off Nick Cage and John Travolta spent like weeks together learning each other's mannerisms uh, and like the intonation of their voice and stuff. I cannot wait for this to try to act like each other. So it's going to be really fun both ways because Nick Cage trying to act like John Travolta is going to be over the top. I don't even remember how John Travolta tries to act like Nick Cage. Yeah, I'm so excited for this. It's going to be great. Okay, well, let's go watch it. All right. 
and we're back from watching Face Off. I hate to break it to everyone, but this is about to become a 90s action movie podcast (laughs) solely. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so after Speed, Speed was such a hit, right? And now Face Off. Face Off, 1997, a little later than Speed. Amazing movie. I mean, almost famous be damned. That's my new favorite movie. Face Off. Just kidding. (laughs) I mean... It has so many highs. There's almost no lows. <laughs> there's really no lows. It's also so fast paced. It is, yeah. Like there's really not that much ha- that happens that's like slow or boring or anything like that. You get Nick Cage acting from everyone, from Nick Cage and from John Travolta. Look, I have looked up nothing about what actually happened with this movie when it came out. I want John Travolta to have won best lead actor at the Oscars that year. I fucking loved John Travolta playing Nick Cage. And that says a lot because the first quarter of the movie, when John Travolta is playing John Travolta, we're like, oh my God, get rid of John Travolta. Nobody cares. Right. Bring us Nick Cage. Oh my God. John Travolta was amazing. Yeah, he really was. And so entertaining. And he did a pretty good impersonation of of Nick Cage. Almost better than Nick Cage. Well, I don't know if it's better than Nick Cage. Nick Cage has a lot of Nick Cage scenes in this. He, I'm, I'm sorry. John Travolta did the best Nick Cage that I could ask for from anyone who's not Nick Cage. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he did a, a perfect job. But this movie, just to set the picture of how ridiculous and, and insane this movie is, this movie starts with... A very weird, all-in-slow-mo scene mm-hmm. of John Travolta on a merry-go-round that's in the middle of a park. Well, that's not weird. That That's pretty normal to have a carousel, like, at a park. Sure, okay, but still, it's like a merry-go-round, it, but it's empty. Like, there's nobody there. Mm, there's some people there. I didn't see any other passengers or someone, like, running, like, manning the, the merry-go-round. There were a lot of up-close camera shots of John Travolta and his son's face that were not other people. It it seemed like it was just two people on an empty carousel, but either which way, it's them and a mustachioed, which he doesn't have a mustache for for the rest of this movie, but a mustachioed uh, Nick Cage. Just to put a point on exactly this mustachioed Nick Cage. So it's like slow motion, like... Oh man, the carousel's the best thing in the world. Like this is who needs Disney World? You have this carousel in this random park, right? And it's just joyful and like it's just like these weird ass like almost a little uncomfortable scenes of like just being so in love with your five year old son and your five year old son being forced to watch you love it, and then it's like. Da-da-da! like nick cage was like sitting with a sniper and i guess he had like a like a a cover over his head and he like whips it off (laughs) and then it's like weird close-ups of his mouth and a straw yeah and he's on top of a hill that isn't that far away yeah like everybody would be like hey look there's a sniper setting up (laughs) (laughs) like he was not covered by anything other than the tarp that he had over his head for a minute when he's really not like it's not like he's like hundreds of yards away you know doing this he's like literally on top of a hill that overlooks the carousel like not a hill like like literally you could walk and you could see him if you looked you would see him like think of like a median dip 
that's like the type of hill we're talking about here. <laughs> right. And well, and, and so he, he shoots John Travolta, accidentally kills John Travolta's son. That's the whole thing that sets off their rivalry. Right. Uh, it looked like probably they were already rivals before that or something like that. Like It was weird to target him at the carousel. He had to have already known that he was and an there's FBI no, agent. there's no explanation about that either. No, I'm assuming that it's just like assumed that John Travolta has continuously been trying to foil Nick Cage's plans, right? It's the Joker to his Batman. Kind of. That's that's this whole thing. I don't know. Absolutely perfect. Now, that scene sets up something that happens with John Travolta throughout. So there's a couple of weird mannerisms or phrases or things that keep happening. One with John Travolta is that he loves to touch people. His Specifically their face. <laughs> yeah. His name is uh, Sean what? Archer. Archer. So, it's just confusing because you're Sean. So like, I was yeah. like, I don't want to refer to him as Sean. But <laughs> well, I also don't want to refer to him as John Travolta the entire time. Either. Yeah. So Sean Archer is with his son at the beginning, kind of like Ashley said, touching him, like holding his shoulders as he goes up and down on this carousel. I mean, I legit was like, we need to call CPS. He's <laughs> touching this child too much. Right. Well, and if you thought that he was inappropriate there, he then like every time he's with his wife, he runs his fingers down her face. Yeah, he's doing that to his son, too, on the carousel. Yeah, well, and that's something that she does back to him. Yeah. He does it to everyone, and he doesn't run his fingers down the face of people who aren't his family. His daughter does it to him at the end. It's it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, I don't know why, but it's a thing. But then, when he's around his coworkers, he doesn't run his fingers down their face, but he does kind of, like, caress their cheeks and things. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty bizarre to me. The other thing that starts from the beginning with Nick Cage... It's him talking about peaches. I don't know why, but that was a good drinking rule because he Mm -hmm. talks about peaches all the time. Yeah. And by peaches, he's always talking about like a woman's ass or something else. I mean, sometimes. Sometimes he's like, they just say peach like a lot. Like he asked for a peach. Like there's a lot of things. He uses that as an innuendo a whole bunch of times. But, you know, there's a lot of good quotes that come out of that. Those are the two weirdest mannerisms that I could think of for the two characters. And I like, and I get it in that like they're trying to establish those very distinct things. So when, when they're playing the opposite character, it's like your tell that you know that who's who. Right. <laughs> well, because when they switch faces, absolutely insane. Like the whole premise that you, all you have to do to look like each other is to switch your face which they do in like a minute like yeah not a like mini hour long procedure they literally like use a laser to cut the face off like a puzzle piece and then just drop it onto the other person's face that's cut into the exact same shaped puzzle right. piece so basically in 97 if this existed we're also curing cancer yeah or like but- doing mini ridiculous <laughs> things i mean like the premise is that they, one, cut off the face, put it into this vat of whatever, because they were saving John Travolta's real face. Right. And that, that We read that in the synopsis. So it's like they're keeping his face while he goes on this undercover mission to find out about a bomb. That premise is, is insane. That's technology that 100% didn't exist. Because when they're also like trying to graphically visualize the face transplant, it's like straight 90s graphics. It looks like a video game almost. Mm-hmm. Like all the monitors. Yeah. When you find out about the bomb scheme, it's on a floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> and like you, you put the floppy disk in and it looks like a 90s video game. And like not only a floppy disk, they did a very slow motion of like, ha look what we found. Right. And like slow motion on the floppy disk. 
as if like it's like in our movie era like this like microchip that you can like magically like press to your temple and know what it's doing like they act like this is magic right yeah i mean that was insane speaking of microchip that's how they somehow alter their voices in something that makes absolutely no sense in the movie so the the faces you can just like zip zap zip and then like the face is off and then you plop it right on the other person and you i don't know cauterize it back into place and then somehow there's no (laughs) scar whatsoever and you change their hair line and you change their muscle tone. Mm-hmm. Like all that stuff is like part of the premise that they can do that. No problem. The voice, they don't really have a good solution for. So you just wear a microphone and have a microchip implanted in your throat. And then somehow those two things combine work to make your voice it like modulates your voice. Right. For the two seconds, they address that. Right. And when they bring it up, the doctor is like, now this here, if you like bump into it or even sneeze, you could dislodge it and you're going to sound like yourself again, which like you can cut a person's face off, mm-hmm. plop it on another person's face, put it back and they have no scars and they heal in two days. Mm-hmm. That's all part of the premise explicitly. Mm-hmm. But you can't find out a way to modulate their voice right. in a way that like a sneeze couldn't like disrupt. Right. Which is also a plot point that we brought up in the movie because later, Sean, what's his last name again? Archer. Sean Archer. I keep forgetting that. It should be easy to remember. Archer, like the show, Detective. Sean, like your name. (laughs) Sean, like my name. (laughs) That's true. So, Sean Archer has to go into like the prison to get to where his brother is after he switches faces. And by his brother, you mean Nick Cage's brother. Yes. Which is... What is his name? Troy Caster? Uh, no, no, no. That Caster Troy. No, well, that, yeah. Nick Cage's character is named Caster Troy. Caster Troy. His brother's name is Pollux Troy. Yes. Uh, like Caster and Pollux. He makes his way into the prison where his brother is. And, you know, the premise is that the prisoner guard, like prison guards don't know anything about this. This is like very high security, like very top secret. Only like three people in the FBI know this is happening. The rest of the FBI agents don't know what's happening. The prison he's going to, which is like a black site, ultra high security prison. They don't know that it's happening. Really bad idea to send someone to a black site where they don't know that the person that you sent there is actually an FBI agent undercover. Right. Anyway, that prison uses like metal boots (laughs) that like can magnetize to the ground to make sure you can't move and run away. It's a really bad place to be, but... They allow allow him, obviously, to check into that place without ever taking this microphone off of his clothes. Mm -hmm. Because that's what's modulating his voice, and his voice never changes. Never. He escapes from there by jumping into the ocean. (laughs) Literally. There are so many things that he goes through. He gets slammed against walls. He gets shot at. He gets beaten up. He literally gets beaten with billy clubs by the guards over and over and over again. Right. Something, you know, the premise is that you could sneeze and your voice would go back to normal. He goes through all that, and not until the very end does his voice go back to normal. Right. That's the biggest plot hole of the whole movie. I mean, it really is. What was your favorite part of the movie? I I don't... Oh, God, I don't even know how to begin to talk about my favorite part of the movie, because I love the whole thing so much. Um, I did especially love when Caster Troy, now in Sean Archer's body, is talking to Sean's daughter and her thinking it's her father talking to her. Mm -hmm. 
And basically, uh, his daughter comes home from a date with none other than Danny Masterson, which you all know from that 70s show. And you more recently know him as a accused rapist of multiple women. Oh, no, he's convicted. Oh, yeah, he is convicted now. As of 2020. Oh, yeah. Nice when the justice system works sometimes. Yeah. Anyways, his entire role, he doesn't really have any lines, is just basically to try to rape Sean's daughter. Yeah, uh, I guess appropriate for for Danny Masterston or whatever mm-hmm. his name is. Yeah. Because, I mean, he literally plays a rapist in this movie. Right. And so now like, he is a convicted rapist. Right. So that part's not my favorite part. But right after that, <laughs> that part, uh, they go inside and... Sean slash Caster is smoking a cigarette, which is so out of character. And then he offers his daughter a cigarette, which is so out of character. And then he's like, you got protection? And she's like, you mean a condom? And he's like, no. (laughs) And he's using a butterfly knife. (laughs) But the better part of that, too, is that... Right after she's like, you mean a condom? And he stands up and it does a slow-mo. Slow-mo just directly into his hand of this knife. Yeah. Going. But it's like the bad 90s slow-mo where it's like almost distorted. Like yeah. it's like skipping, like yeah. almost like it's buffering a little yeah. bit. And uh, he goes through the, which terrible first weapon to give to someone. Why would you give someone, if they don't have any, like they've never used a knife, they don't have a gun, they don't have anything. You hand them a butterfly knife and then you're like, here, use it like this. And you literally do the flicking around. Like right. it's like. Right. Like whenever, like before, like I really got the slow-mo of what was happening. At first I thought he pulled out like miniature nunchucks. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like, here, keep these in your pocket. But and I really enjoyed that scene because it was so ridiculous. Yeah, that's a pretty good scene. I wrote that down too because there are so many good quotes throughout this. Something that doesn't make sense to me narratively is that you're trying to pretend to be the other person, right? John Travolta, so within the movie, right? Mm-hmm. John Travolta's character turning into Nicolas Cage's character mm-hmm. is like constantly acting like John Travolta's character, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he's never actually changing who mm-hmm. he is. He has to very begrudgingly try to force himself to start acting crazy mm-hmm. because like Caster Troy, mm-hmm. and I don't know why I cannot remember these names. These are hard names. <laughs> okay, Caster Troy is like insane. He's like the Heath Ledger Joker. He's like mm-hmm. constantly like, ooh, 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 like look at me. He's like right. making weird faces. He's like cackling. Right. He's, he's acting like Nick Cage. <laughs> so John Travolta as a character, right, as Nick Cage's character does not do that. So like Nick Cage throughout the rest of the movie when he when you're assuming that his face has been replaced, right? Mm-hmm. Does not act like that. Right. Now, John Travolta, <laughs> when when his character, uh, it, when his face is stolen by Caster, mm-hmm. does act insane. Mm-hmm. So, what I don't understand about that, this is very hard to describe because of the uh, whole swapping. <laughs> You're confusing me as you yeah, talk. It's, it's very confusing. I just watched the movie with you. Yeah. So, when he switches, and everybody now thinks that he's an FBI agent, but he's actually the evil evil terrorist that has stolen the face, right, uh, Mm -hmm. of of whatever that was in the left in the tank that uh, John Travolta was eventually going to come back and and get back. Mm -hmm. When he's out doing that, he does absolutely nothing to try to be discreet. Right. He acts like a completely different person. Like his whole personality is different. He talks different. His mannerisms are different. 
he's over the top. Mm-hmm. He's like slapping people. Like he's like doing all sorts of weird shit. I don't understand why if you're trying to like pretend to be an FBI agent, you do that. Yeah. But whatever. And it got, I guess it works because one, he like solves like every crime in the city because I guess he has like within one week, he it. becomes Times Man of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally you, you find out later that it's it's literally seven days. Right. <laughs> and within those seven days, you have Sean. Oh, my God. This is killing me. <laughs> this is killing me that you can't get this together. I don't know why. I keep thinking Sean Astin. That would be better than you just like stopping. <laughs> I maybe the drinking rule said these names are like they are like a I don't even know a spell on my brain that that I cannot remember what like, I'm that just a couple minutes ago you're like when presumably somebody's John Travolta's face is on Nick Cage's body <laughs> but it's not John Travolta I was like what the fuck is he talking about it's I, these names <laughs> like. I don't know, but like, like, get it together. They're not normal names. Well, uh, they're not normal names. Okay, I'll give you Castro Troy, but one of them has your Archer, name. Sean, well, no, I know, I know Sean now, but like, <laughs> oh man, I, it, there's there's a problem where like I'm, I keep not thinking of Archer. And I keep thinking of Sean Astin. Right, he's an actor. Yeah, and I, I keep my brain made that association from the beginning of watching the movie, and I can't break it. I don't know why. But it's like the two connections I can make are Sean Astin and Sean Spicer. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them are better than you. John Travolta as Nick Cage, but Nick Cage in John Travolta's body. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, maybe I should write the names down from now on. I'm not maybe good at character names. You're horrible in, at it. I'm not good at character names in general. <laughs> there are a lot of times where I can watch like eight seasons of a show, and by the end, I cannot tell you one of their names. It drives me insane. Uh, Game of Thrones, that's one. <laughs> Which, okay, Game of Thrones has like 900 characters right, right. now. There's a lot of people who watch Game of Thrones and don't remember all the characters' names. I don't even remember all the main characters' names, so it, it becomes very hard to talk about because I'm like, yeah, that person, right, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, anyway, so back to this. <laughs> what were you saying? Uh, when Caster is trying to be Sean, mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick with first names because it's really it. the last name that's, that's stumbling me right here. So when Caster is Sean, he does not try to act any different, and there's one point in time where Margaret Cho's character, which I don't know what her name is in this. Wanda. Is that her name? Yeah. Oh, Wanda? Huh. Mm-hmm. So when Wanda is like, you know, they're all celebrating because he's now like defused a bomb and done all this. Like he solved like all the crime in the city because I guess you're supposed to believe like Castor knew about all of the crime going on. So he could like, he had inside knowledge and he could use that to do whatever. I don't know why he wanted to solve all the crime. I guess like he alludes later... Uh, when he's talking to his brother, that if they can clear out all the competition, then they can be like the head criminal throughout all of the United States or something like that. It's so it's kind of like, you know, loose with the the reasoning. But there's a scene with Wanda where she's like, "Sir, did you have a surgical procedure?" Like right after we know that this like surgical like face thing has happened, right? Which. That is not a f- phrase. Right. Like if you're if you were talking to your boss and your boss was acting mm-hmm. like different but in a good way, would you be like, "Did you have a surgical procedure?" I don't know, but I'm going to try it out tomorrow. Aaron, tell me if he was <laughs> this. <laughs> but when when she does that, he like stops and like stares at her. Like, did she figure out that my face has been taken off? 
<laughs> Which again, you're supposed to believe that like this technology exists, but nobody knows about it. Right. So right. like, but there are a lot of times throughout this movie where it's not that hard to convince someone that your face has been switched or with his brother, he's suspicious from like the moment that he sees his brother. But like, if you walked into a room, I wouldn't immediately be like, has your face been switched? <laughs> right. Like, that would not be my right. immediate reaction. Like, right. nobody is supposed to know that this technology exists. Right. Even Sean does not know that this technology exists until they're like, here's our secret medical like laboratory where one doctor found out how to switch faces. But then at the end, I guess, like, they find another doctor that knows how to switch faces. Like, I don't know how they they recreate this technology. But right. that was something that I thought was funny because that's uh, something that you never that you never see in any of this. You want to know, I love to point out how we know movies aren't real. You know how we know this one isn't real? How? They're calling a white man a terrorist. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and he's like a straight up, he's not even like from Eastern Europe or anything like that. They didn't even call him an Iraqi. <laughs> well, in uh, in the 90s, we it was always Eastern Europeans. Mm-hmm. Those were always. Yeah. They were from some random, non-named Eastern European place. Uh, and they were the ones doing the bombs. Kind of like uh, in Die Hard and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was from Eastern Europe, but I think it's like he's from somewhere that's not the United right. States. And he's going to blow things up or whatever. Right. Uh, of course, that then all switched in the 2000s. Yeah. As far as drinking goes, this is like one of my favorite drinking movies. I feel like recently I've been saying like every movie, bad movie we've watched is one of my favorite drinking movies. And this was a good movie. But I feel like we've had a really good string of drinking movies. Yeah. Uh, this has been a really good one. The 90s action movies. That's a that's a genre that really does it. I'm telling you, I'm going to have my own spinoff where I only watch 90s action movies. I mean, there has to be unenjoyably bad 90s action movies, right? If you find one, let me know. Like Steven Seagal, but he has all those, like, I'm sure those are all horrendously terrible, but I don't know if they would be funny. Right. I mean, maybe. I'm sure that there's also, uh, like, Chuck Norris action movies from the time period that are really, really bad. I don't know. I think Steven Seagal is probably the, the big one who is, like, a huge 90s action star that probably isn't that enjoyable to watch. Yeah, I don't ever want to stare at him. Jean-Claude Van Damme, that's another one that, like, oh, yeah. may not be that enjoyable to watch. Okay, don't take this away from me. But he might be in Street Fighter. Yeah. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme is in Street Fighter from the 90s, which is a really, really bad movie. I'll take your word for it. I will say, in terms of drinking rules, you have to add the weird face... I'm, like, doing it right now as if you can see me. But the weird, like, face rub down that Sean Archer's character does. It doesn't just have to be grazing the face. It could be any time a face is touched. But, I mean, really grazing the face will get you drunk all by itself. Yeah, but it's just not... It's not only him. It's like, Sean does it from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Caster does it also from the very beginning, just in mm-hmm. a different way. Right. But they all are touching faces all the time. Right. Um, the other rule that I... Like, I brought it up at the very end, but we really should have instituted our standard drink anytime someone dies. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of people die. Yeah. We've done that on a lot of movies, and this is definitely one, like, you could do that as your only rule, and you would be sloshed. Yeah, for sure. My favorite death, too, was his, like, I don't know if he's a henchman or just, like, another villain, the like, criminal that he works with a lot. You know, the bold guy. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like they were, like, 
They're in cahoots. Yeah. But I don't know if it's a partner as much as like a wacky. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, but any which way. Uh, when that guy get dies, he's like shot, you know, in like a police raid or something like that. And he gets shot right in the neck. And he just like holds his hand over where his like artery has been shot. Mm-hmm. And is like talking to his sister. And is like, yeah, you uh, take the kid, go over there, blah, 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 blah. And then he turns and like keeps talking. And then he's just like, <laughs> and falls to the ground. And dead. literally, there's like just like blood all of a sudden. Not like when he's talking to his sister, which then he makes out with. He kisses her on the lips, and but it's like a sexual. Yeah, kiss. it was very strange, and I noticed that at the beginning too. Because at the beginning, before they decide to switch faces, they're seeing if they can find out about the bomb that Castor and Pollux created mm-hmm. that they're that's the whole reason that they switch faces right mm-hmm. but at first they're like let's see if there's another way to do this and we're just going to interrogate all the people that caster worked with mm-hmm. so he interrogates that bald guy i don't, know, don't remember his name he interrogates mm-hmm. that guy's sister mm-hmm. uh, etc at the end of that scene when they let them go he like had his arm around her like waist then mm-hmm. too yeah it was weird but they definitely said that they were brother and sister. Right, and they said it multiple times in the scenes right before that guy's death. Yeah, so it was very weird. But, like, he's able to, like, tell his sister to run, make out with her, whatever, turn around to uh, Caster, but Sean is in Caster's body, and say, well, we sure did have fun. And then at that moment, blood comes gushing out at a 90 degree degree angle from his neck and he dies. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's, it's not gradual. It's like very, very sudden. I don't, I don't know how that's supposed to work, but nothing about this movie is right. Like realistic. They have to talk about my rating for the movie. Yep. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna jump in. I'm giving it an 87. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) This is stupid. This is, I I can't believe I'm doing this. (sighs) I can't, it's like, I understand why it has such a high rotten score. Right. And that, God, it's stupid and horrible, but also, like, I want John Travolta to have won the Oscar that year. Like, I thought John Travolta trying to play Nick Cage was the best thing I've ever seen. Like, I'm obsessed with it. I haven't had this much fun watching a movie since, like, when we watched... uh, Wicker Man? Wicker Man, yeah. Which wasn't on the podcast, but Wicker Man is like my favorite bad movie that we've watched. This is, and again, this is not a good movie. It's a bad movie, but it's a great bad movie. I was also going to give it in the 80s. Not quite as high as you, though. <laughs> I was going to say like an 85. That's not that lower than mine. Yeah, so I think I gave Speed an 84, if I remember. Maybe, and I can't exactly remember, but... Uh, I think I give Speed like an 81 or an 82. I would give this a little higher than Speed. I gave Speed a 75. I gave Notting Hill an 81. Wow. <laughs> this is blasphemy. I need a, I, I should be fired. You can't revise. No, I mean, I, I stand by my score, but I should be fired. <laughs> well, so that's funny because when you announced Notting Hill, you said one of my favorite movies that has been supplanted by Face Off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had a blast. Yeah, we're going to have to choose other John Woo movies. Mm -hmm. And this is the part of the night where I say I don't think I'm going to have a blast with the next one. Yeah, probably not. I will go ahead and read the synopsis. I've seen this movie once. It was like pretty soon after it came out. And it came out like early 2000s, right? Yes. It was pre-Mean Girls, but not that far before Mean Girls. It's from 2002. Mm Mm-hmm. 
think Mean Girls is 03 or 04. Can't remember. Okay, here we go. Not only is Jessica Spencer, played by Rachel McAdams, the most popular girl in school, she is also the meanest. Ooh. Straight up Mean Girls. Yeah. But things change for the attractive teen when a freak accident involving a cursed pair of earrings <laughs> and a chance encounter at a gas station <laughs> causes her to switch bodies with Clive, played by Rob Schneider, a sleazy crook. Jessica, in the form of the repulsive Clive, <laughs> struggles to adjust to this radical alteration and sets out to get her own body back before the upcoming prom. <laughs> So this movie is going to be very different. However, yeah. it is about switching a body with a criminal. Yeah. Well, I went to go look at drinking rules, and we're going back to Drunken Me, who we've used a few times, who is definitely inferior to Drink One. But is Drink One now inferior? Because they haven't had our past, like, 80 movies. I don't really understand how. Like, they make very good drinking rules, but then they don't have all the movies. But then they have the most random movies. Right. Anyways. So this is one where they have a million rules, so I'm just now going to randomly select things that I think works. Rob Schneider has a conversation about his penis. Um, April and Jessica claim to be best friends. Rob Schneider makes a pass at Billy. Um, Booger is cross-dressing. I think that is... Like the little brother? Yeah, little brother. Do you know this was directed by Tom Brady? Yeah, so I looked that up. He has not really <laughs> directed anything else. It's uh, not the Tom Brady, right? No. <laughs> that would make it way funnier. No, it's just a Tom Brady. <laughs> he directed other things like The Comebacks and other okay. like bad comedies. Uh, I didn't really see anything in his stuff. I think he did some voices on The Simpsons or something like that. Cool. Yeah, not a big, big director by any means. Okay, well, let's go see if this exceeds my expectations. It probably won't. <laughs> I don't know how you can follow a face-off, so good luck. Yeah, well, I mean, we will see. We'll be back. And we're back from watching The Hot Chick. Ashley's new favorite movie, Better Than Face-Off. Yeah, I loved it so much I didn't even take a single note about it. <laughs> I hated this movie with everything in me. <laughs> it really was the vibes of Beer Fest or those level of comedies, which Ashley absolutely hated Beer Fest mm -hmm. when we watched that as a pairing. Yeah. And like, I will say, like, it wasn't as grating on my nerves as a Beer Fest type movie, but I hated every second of this. It was really dated. That's for sure. I mean, it's an early ish 2000s movie. And so that's the thing, but it's the most 2000s movie. It is. And it's like the most horrible tropes of womanhood and like of being a girl and what it means to be a girl in high school. Ugh, ugh, I hated it. Yeah, it really is told from like the perspective of Rob Schneider. Right. <laughs> like Rob Schneider trying to think about what it's like to be a teenage girl. But he was probably like in his 40s during this movie right. already. One thing that I like, it was so weird because... I hadn't even thought about it, but you know, like they have the whole like, uh, like handshake chant between Rachel McAdams and Anna Ferris's character. And it was like, the boys are cheats and liars. There's such a big mistake. I don't know. This movie didn't have a cultural impact the way that like mean girls and other things mm -hmm. did. 
But this came out before Mean Girls, and there's a lot of Mean Girls-ish things that happen in this. The way that the girls interact, like the whole like girl posse, the like the dynamic of that, mm-hmm. and then also having Rachel McAdams leading that group, mm-hmm. and her character is someone who's supposed to be kind of like despised by the rest of the school, mm-hmm. even though she's like the head cheerleader and all mm-hmm. that. It's really kind of Mean Girls before Mean Girls. Yeah, but really way worse done. Way worse done. You know what this movie's problem is? Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Matthew Lawrence, who plays the Rachel McAdams boyfriend. Yeah, he wasn't good at all. No. But I was going to say the main problem is it's not enough Rachel McAdams. Like, I feel like she is too strong of a person to have not had like that much screen time in this movie. Yeah, I really didn't remember that aspect of it because they switch bodies, but it's really about her. It's also like, it doesn't make any sort of sense Mm -hmm. because if you switched bodies, I don't know. I don't know how it should work. I feel like where your body went to sleep is where it should wake up, right? But they did the opposite. Yeah. It's like the bodies are what changed, not like the consciousness inside the body. You know what I mean? It's like they both changed, but it's like, yeah, like she went to bed, Rachel McAdams in her bed and woke up in Rob Schneider's body. Yeah. That is the weirdest aspect of it. Yeah. Instead of you like switching, which I think is actually a narrative issue because something I did not remember about this movie is that it starts, starts out almost like the mummy. (laughs) It's a very mummy feel. (laughs) I feel like it's almost like parodying or ripping off the mummy. (laughs) It starts off in ancient Egypt and it makes absolutely no sense. You know, I get, it's just like a very, very loose backstory for like what is going on with these earrings that make you switch bodies. Right. It's so weird. I had no idea that it started that way. I mean, I saw this a long time ago. It makes absolutely no sense. But when they're in that store, it gave me big flashbacks because when I was, I don't remember, I was in early high school, I think, when it came out or something like that. But I remember thinking it was hilarious. Like, I I remember thinking there were scenes in this that, like, made me laugh out loud. And they don't hit. (laughs) (laughs) They they no longer hit. But there's one that still made me laugh out loud. One, when you first see Adam Sandler, who doesn't mm-hmm. really play a character in this, it's like mm-hmm. Rob Schneider was always the side character in Adam Sandler movies. So mm-hmm. they they swapped roles in this. And he's just like a one-off character in mm-hmm. that like store where you buy tchotchkes. Mm-hmm. But Adam Sandler has dreads. That's the first thing. He mm-hmm. plays like a stoner, like a Rastafarian type. Mm-hmm. But the whole time that they're in the store, the whole joke is like they everything they pick up, he was like... Yeah, like that was made a thousand years ago, like in the in the style of whatever. And you can put your weed in that. Mm-hmm. It's like a whole stoner humor type thing. Yeah, it was hilarious. I, I thought it was hilarious at the time. I definitely <laughs> didn't laugh at it this time. The only thing that was funny is every time the storekeeper starts telling the story of the earrings, it like it's really intense and it's almost like Jumanji music. In mm-hmm. the background where it's like, dum, dum, mm-hmm. and right when she gets to the end of her story, she says, can you quit playing them damn drums? <laughs> and it's Adam Sandler playing just random drums in the background. That one still made me laugh. And that was the what I thought was the funniest scene the first time I saw it. Everything else about the movie is so abysmally bad. <laughs> so bad. Rob Schneider. It's a lot of physical humor of him like 
he starts off robbing a gas station and they have no money because it's a gas station. Like, and they're like, <laughs> we only keep $20. So he goes and like tries to steal all the nacho cheese. <sighs> Such a outdated style of comedy. It's so stupid. And then like his entire role is supposed to be playing Rachel McAdams. But it's like this like he's doing just like this weird like butt waddle sissy hand like to the side, you know, like it's like nothing like what a girl or Rachel McAdams 10 minutes in the movie established what she acted like. Right. I mean, to some extent she does act like that a little bit in the beginning and she acts like that in Mean Girls a little bit too, but not to the extreme that he's doing it. Yeah. So he didn't really capture her mannerisms unlike Nick Cage and John Travolta (laughs) copying each other's mannerisms. That definitely, there was no amount of time that Rachel McAdams and Rob Schneider (laughs) spent together to learn each other's mannerisms. No. At the same time, when you do finally see the 10 minutes of Rachel McAdams with Rob Schneider's character inside of her, (laughs) it's also like the most stereotypic like man stuff, like snorting, farting, scratching, that type of stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's like... I don't know. It's kind of it kind of goes both ways to some extent, but Rob Schneider was way more egregious. Right. Anna Ferris is also played out to be like the stupidest ditzy person in the. Show me a single time that Anna, Anna Ferris has played a character that is at all enjoyable to watch. I don't know. I I mean, I used to love Anna Ferris, but again, it's the same type of humor, right? So, like, scary movie I loved, but you hated. Hated. Do you remember Happy Face? Did you ever watch that? I don't think so. I think it was called Happy Face, Smiley Face. Something like that. It was a stoner humor movie, though. But, I mean, I, I used to love all those types of movies, and I just don't like them as much anymore. Like, <laughs> some God. of them hold up, some of them don't. But um, this one, not really. But what I was saying about 2000s movies, Anna Ferris, a big one. Like, huge, you know, comedy. Like, in all the those parody movies of mm-hmm. that era. But that's not it. You already mentioned Matthew Lawrence, which is straight early 2000s, late 90s. Also, Ashley Simpson. Ashley Simpson. I don't think she has a single line, does she? Mm, she does, but she like just walks like mm-hmm. she's like the rival, right? Is, like the rival cheerleader, right? Yeah, from another school or something right. like that. The Maori sisters, Tia and Tamara Maori. Yep, they were both in there, but not really as characters, right? I'm, Again, just side pieces who had like two lines. Yeah, I feel like they're almost like cameos, but I don't. You know what I mean? At the time, right. it's like they were recognizable, but they don't really have any lines or roles. Right. So I don't know. Uh, Jan from The Office. Yeah. That's another one. So I mean, it's just like, I mean, of course, Rob Schneider, because Rob Schneider was in all these things. And Adam Sandler, of course. Um, I don't know. It, was it good? No. Would I recommend watching it? No. Probably not. <laughs> I don't even recommend it as a drinking movie. Like, It was fun to drink to, but not enough. I I did not have fun drinking to it. It gave me Beer Fest vibes. And Beer Fest was one of your least favorite movies that we've watched as well. Yeah. You want to ask what my rating is? No. Oh, okay. I don't want to know. How low (laughs) is it? What what single digit did you give this movie? Do you remember what I gave Beer Fest? I think like a... It was low. Like below five, I thought. It was a zero. It was a zero? Uh Uh-huh. I thought it was like... You can't give it below a zero. No, uh, well, no, I was just reminding you what my beer fest score was. Yeah. This, I'm giving a two. A two? A two. Okay. So, here's my thing. (laughs) Is it worth watching? Not really. Mm -hmm. Is it nostalgic? Yes. For me, at least. Or if you grew up watching these types of movies, or if you were just 
into those types of movies at one point in time. There are a couple of jokes that I still laughed at. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was fine. But mm-hmm. would I recommend it? No, I wouldn't. Uh, sadly, it's one of those rare ones that now face off. Yes. Face off is the best movie of all time. You could just watch face off and call it a night. Yeah. Because it is both a good and bad movie. It is. Exactly. You could pair it with itself and watch it twice. Exactly. There are better body swap movies. 17 again. One that we've already talked about. Pair it with that. That would work. Freaky Friday. Uh, Freaky Friday is going to have to come. Yeah. Freak. 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 I hope you get hit by a bus. Freaky Fried Ways is another good one. (laughs) Uh, The movie Freaky that I already brought up with Vince Vaughn. Mm -hmm. Watch that one. That one's good. Ish. It was pretty good. I liked it. I didn't think it was that great. I mean, but this was as the bad movie pairing. Yeah, true. What are you rating it? I'm going to give it a 12. Oh, that's kind of where I thought you would be. Yeah, it's it was worse than I remembered. And for some reason, I thought I would laugh at it. Now, what I really don't want to do is go back and rewatch Anger Management and Mr. Deeds, because those two movies at one point in time are like my favorite comedies. Yeah, no. And I remember my dad and I going to both Mr. Deeds and Anger Management and just like laughing in the car all the way home. Like it, mm-hmm. it was so riotous, like yeah. real knee slappers. And um, if I went back and watched it now, I feel like it would like break my heart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like I, I wouldn't I find it. I want to preserve your memory. We just won't ever watch it. Mm. <laughs> mm, I'm so sad, but I'll do it for you. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> I, I almost feel like I shouldn't rewatch it because like, th- I'm not going to find it funny. You know, like, I didn't have any emotional connection to hot chick, but yeah, protect your heart, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, in in particular, uh, with anger management, you know, there's that scene where they sing uh, "I'm so pretty." Yeah, in the car, like uh, on the mm-hmm. bridge or whatever. And my dad and I sing that song all the way home, <laughs> and it was so funny. But again, would I find that funny today? No, no. Um, so I don't know. Well, you had one movie that hit it out of the park, and one movie that made me want to hit you out of the park. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm up next, right? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm excited about my picks for next week. Yeah. So, again, we know that I like to loosely connect things. Very loosely. Like Danny Armitrading. Um, Tony Armitrading. <laughs> may, may he rest in peace. Wait, his name's... Tony? Yeah, Tony. Oh. I remember it ended with a Y, but come on. This is not a n- household name. Anyways. So for my birthday, a gift that I received from a dear friend is a DVD copy of the hit Aaron Carter movie, Pop Star. And so the way that I am connecting it to my good movie is kind of, you know, like just dealing with the the woes of celebrity Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> pop stars about him being famous. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to do I, Tanya. Okay. Which is about somebody being infamous. Infamous. Well, famous. Famous enough. Famous and then becoming. Anyways, I'm really excited. I I love I, Tanya. Yeah. Um, you haven't rewatched it since we saw it in theaters, right? No, but I really liked it when we saw it. Yeah, it's a good one, so... I'm excited. So next week it's going to be I, Tanya and Popstar. 
All right. Well, too bad you didn't say it's going to be I, Tanya, and the mule. I don't know why it made me think of the mule. I don't know why either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I know why. Richard Jewell. The guy who played Uh, Richard Jewell is in it. That's how my brain works. Also, did did Clint Eastwood... Yeah, Clint Eatwood. <laughs> Stop! My brain it hurts. The champs. Uh, this summer, <laughs> Clint Eatwood and Johnny Depp play Shawshank Pirates. I hope you have a horrible night's sleep. <laughs> I would watch that movie. <laughs> Wouldn't you? I don't even know what Shawshank Pirates are. <laughs> Anyways whatever goodbye this has been fun (laughs) it it wasn't that fun i'm done with you who knows if i'm ever coming back to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) well in the meantime we can go watch the animal what's that the other rob steiner movie where he turns into an animal oh my god no he loved body swap things that that was his whole that was his whole shtick there for a while yeah okay goodbye okay (laughs) see you later (laughs) 